0: This episode was made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. For more information, please visit patreon.com/slash author Chris Lester. I strive to make this podcast a safe and inclusive place for my listeners. If I've missed any content warnings, please let me know. Content warnings for this episode include Mature Themes. You're listening to The Raven and the Writing Desk, the weekly podcast about the writings of Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. This is episode 366. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Raven and the Writing Desk. I'm your host, Chris Lester. You can learn more about me and my work at chrislester.org and metamorcity.com. Each week, I bring you a piece of my fresh new fiction and tell you what's new with my life and my writing. More on that later in the show. But first, let's get to this week's story. Today I'm bringing you Chapter 17 of Honor Reclaimed by L.C. Williams. If you're new to the show, go back to Episode 350 to hear this story from the beginning. The following recap will contain spoilers. In last week's episode, Honor and Natasha were at last reunited. It was the first time they had gotten more than a few minutes of privacy together since their big fight in Chapter 1. Honor told Natasha that her father, Lord Bellevue, would not be traveling back to the city with them. He was still reeling from Tyrrell and Graham's betrayal, and shaken from the effects of the Drowlings' mind-control magic, and he needed some time alone to think and to grieve. The two women retired to their stateroom aboard the airship Mariposa, which will fly them back to the city. A House Bellevue carriage will pick them up at the airfield in the morning. Inside the stateroom, they found an invitation to have breakfast in the captain's quarters. Honor just wanted to get home as soon as possible, which confused Natasha. She thought Honor would want to spend more time with them. They said they would like that, she said. I thought you would as well. They who? Honor asked, confused. They soon realized that they were talking past each other. Natasha explained that the Mariposa was Honor's mother's ship, and the captain, Marisol Vasquez, is Sylvia's wife. She hadn't said anything about it earlier because Sylvia had gone to fetch Honor from the cargo bay herself, because she wanted to be the first to see her. It was then that Honor remembered the androgynous crew member who had introduced himself as Billy. He had told Honor that he had a daughter in the city, whom he'd had to leave behind so she could have a proper childhood. He'd told Honor that he was immensely proud of his daughter, and that he didn't know if he'd always made the best choices, just that he'd made the only ones he could. he told her the truth about everything. Everything, of course, except her real name and gender— and the fact that Honor herself was the daughter she was talking about. Natasha was indignant and outraged at Sylvia's deception. When she told Natasha that she wanted to speak to Honor alone, Natasha had never dreamed she meant to lie to her. But Honor was more philosophical. After all, Sylvia knew the reputation she had in Metamore, and it would have been reasonable to assume that Honor wouldn't give her a fair hearing if she knew who she was. Honor even admitted that, three months ago, that assumption would have been right. She'd told Billy that she couldn't judge him for his choices, and that he should make the most of whatever time he had with his daughter. Now, knowing that she'd been talking to her mother, Honor realized that she still believed that. What is the point in being angry? she asked. I was angry at you for keeping something from me that I thought I had a right to know because I couldn't listen to why you felt you had to do it. I almost lost you because of it. I won't make that mistake again. With that matter settled, the two women spent some much-needed time reconnecting with each other. As Honor had promised her, she was Natasha's now, bound together by a solemn covenant as mistress and servant. As she drifted off to sleep with Honor in her arms, Natasha realized that her father had been wrong— She will not die alone, unloved and forgotten, as she had feared since the night she walked away from his farm forever. She had stepped beyond her fear, dared to love and to be loved in return. Her father's curses had no power over her. With a final goodbye to the sad, bitter man he had been, she turned and walked away from him, and this time his ghost did not follow her. That night— She slept peacefully.
1: Honor Reclaimed The House of Bellevue Book 3 By L.C. Williams Narrated by Vivian Ferrari Chapter 17 Caterpillars and Butterflies "'Sunday, May 13th. "'Honor entered the captain's dining hall "'at seven o'clock the next morning, "'dressed as neatly and elegantly as she could manage "'in the absence of a proper lady's maid. "'She and Natasha had put each other's hair into braids, "'simple and serviceable, "'and she had put on a deep blue visiting dress "'with a placket of white lace, "'which would fit her with a simple ribbon corset underneath. "'She wore her butterfly amulet openly.' the gemstones gleaming bright against the lace on her chest. Natasha did not have any of her fancy clothes with her, but someone on the airship's staff had thoughtfully laundered her dress uniform, so she at least looked respectable, if not like a proper lady's companion. She followed Honor through the door, but Honor waited for her, and they proceeded forward, side by side. The room was small, like most of the crew spaces on the airship, but it had a superb view, The entire far wall was made of windows framed in brass, and it looked out over Matthias Airfield, the city, and the barrier range beyond. The sun still hung low over the mountains, and warm golden light filled the room. A table big enough to seat eight people filled most of the space, though only one end of it had been set for breakfast. The room's two occupants rose from their chairs as Honor and Natasha entered. One was Captain Marisol Vasquez, dressed once more in her vaguely piratical uniform and looking every bit as lovely as the first time Honor had seen her. The second woman wore a yellow-brown visiting dress of a design that had been in fashion perhaps twenty years ago, though it still looked well-preserved enough that Honor imagined it had not seen much use. She stood with her hands fig-leafed in front of her, fingers worrying absently at the wedding band on her left hand. Honor took a moment to study Sylvia C., a woman she knew only from portraits made over fifteen years prior. The woman in front of her still had many traits Honor found familiar. There were the luminous blue eyes, the cheekbones that were higher and sharper than Honor's, the nose a little longer and more hooked at the end. But this Sylvia's dark brown hair had been cut short, falling to just below her ears, instead of the long, wavy tresses she had worn in her youth. She had laugh lines and crow's feet, and the hollows of her cheeks had grown more pronounced with maturity. She was not an old woman by any means, only thirty-eight if Honor had done her maths correctly, but Honor could see the toll of the hardships she'd endured. Sylvia did not take her eyes off of Honor as she entered. Honor could see the tangled web of emotions playing across the woman's face, Fear, regret, love, pride, hope, uncertainty. She opened her mouth to speak, then stopped herself, glancing furtively aside at her wife. Honor took this as a cue and turned her attention to the captain. Captain Vasquez, Honor said, and gave the woman a full curtsy. Thank you for the invitation. We are honored that you would welcome us into this space. Vasquez smiled, her teeth gleaming brilliant white against her brown skin. Of course, Lady Honor. It is the least I can do for family. Please come join us. Honor stepped up to one of the empty seats, at the captain's right hand, and directly across from Sylvia. The latter woman gave Honor a tentative smile. Hello, Honor. She spoke with her own upper-class accent this time, not the country accent she had affected as Billy. Her natural speaking voice was low for a woman's, but much smoother than the gravelly voice Billy had used. Honor smiled back and answered gently, Hello, Mother. There were plenty of other things she could have said. Or do you prefer Billy now? Or, It is lovely to meet you again. Or, I'm so glad you are feeling more yourself today. But Honor could tell that Sylvia was feeling vulnerable, unsure of herself, and afraid of rejection. Honor could have hurt her in a thousand different ways, depending on what she said and how she said it. The quiet anger and pain that she still carried in her heart told her it would be justified. But Honor did not want to hurt her. There had been enough hurt to go around already. Natasha pulled out Honor's chair for her, as Vasquez and Sylvia returned to their seats. Sylvia's eyes flicked up to Natasha, and Honor saw an approving smile pass briefly across her face. She wondered what conversations they'd had before Honor had arrived at Malin, and she made a note to ask Natasha about it later. Natasha took the seat on Honor's right, and they began the meal without further ceremony. The conversation proceeded awkwardly at first, with the captain asking most of the questions, while Sylvia kept her eyes on Honor, that conflicted web of emotions playing out silently across her face. Honor told them about her season at the capital, the things she had seen and done since coming to the city. Natasha interjected her own opinions from time to time, just enough to signal that she was still engaged in the conversation, but otherwise let Honor take the lead. Eventually, the discussion turned to Honor's involvement with succession reform, and Sylvia's face lit up with the mention of noble Yasmin. She'll be a good mentor for you, she said, and Honor noticed her use of the feminine she rather than the androgynous they. I never had a truer friend than Yasmin. Unconsciously, Honor reached up and touched the butterfly amulet. The cabochon stone was warm under her fingers. Sylvia noticed. Yes, she gave me that, she said. She reached over and took Vasquez's hand, squeezed it. And she introduced us to one another. And if that were all she had done for me, I would still owe her everything. Honor felt a stab of reflexive anger at that. After all, the same self-discovery that had led to Sylvia's freedom had deprived her of her mother. She took a slow breath and pushed that feeling aside. She needed to understand Sylvia's story from her perspective, not her own. I would love to hear more about that, she said, in what she hoped was an inviting tone. It must have worked, because at last Sylvia began to talk. She told Honor the whole story that Mabel had shared with Natasha, though in considerably more detail. Vasquez chimed in with her own side of the story, about how a chartered airship flight had led unexpectedly to a torrid affair with one of her passengers. For a while, Honor almost forgot that they were discussing her mother's life and a scandal that had nearly destroyed House Bellevue. It was the story of a desperately lonely woman, trapped in a loveless marriage to a man too old for her, confused and conflicted about her own desires, who for the first time had found hope and something to live for. Honor saw her mother's face glowing as she described meeting Marisol for the first time. She saw the mixture of sorrow and relief when Sylvia had gotten the letter from the Council of Peers, informing her of her excoriation and her divorce from Honor's father. A punishment, yes, but also a kind of liberation. She heard the joy in Sylvia's voice when she described her wedding to Marisol, a tiny ceremony at an ancient temple of Valena, the goddess of love. She saw the way the two women's fingers interlaced atop the table and the adoring looks that Marisol gave Sylvia when she wasn't looking. She watched the fear and uncertainty in her mother's eyes give way to contentment and peace as she described their life together. So, that's the story, Sylvia concluded. She smiled hopefully across the table at honor. Please understand me, that look said. Please forgive me. Anna remembered what Billy had said to her yesterday. I don't know if I made the best choices always. I just made the only choices I could. She was still mulling over that, trying to figure out how to respond, when Sylvia rose suddenly from the table. I have something for you, she said. I don't know if you will want it or not, but... She went over to a sideboard that stood against the back wall of the room, and returned with a wooden chest about eighteen inches wide and half as deep. She brought it back to the table and placed it in front of Honor, then stepped back, one hand fiddling awkwardly with the fingers of the other, a nervous gesture that Honor found eerily familiar. Honor undid the latches and opened the chest. The box was filled to the brim with old yellowed envelopes, bound together with lengths of twine. Curiously, Honor slid one of them free and examined it. It was a letter addressed to her, with a postmark from the city of Tornemir. Sylvia's own name appeared above the return address. Above Honor's name, a message had been stamped in faded red ink. Refused. Return to sender. Honor blinked in astonishment. She examined the next letter, and the one after that, and the one after that. Each one was the same. Refused. 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 The postmarks varied. Sondashara. Pyralis City. Yesulam. Salanon. There were more than fifty letters in all, dating back fifteen years. The most recent was less than six months old. I... I have never seen these before, Honor whispered, She looked up at Sylvia. There was pain in the woman's eyes, but not surprise. I expected as much, Sylvia said, returning to her seat. I'm afraid they're a bit out of date now. Gingerly, Honor placed the letters back in the chest. A feeling of betrayal was welling up inside her. Did, did my father do this? She asked. Did he keep me from, from hearing from you? You'll have to ask him that, Sylvia sighed. Honestly, it could just as easily have been one of the servants. His staff has always been protective of him, where I was concerned. Honor sat back in her chair, her mind racing. Her mother had tried to stay in contact with her. Heavens, she had kept trying, even after fifteen years of rejection, She had not abandoned her completely. But someone at House Bellevue had wanted her to think she had. Honor was suddenly very keen to speak with her father. She looked up at Sylvia again, and then at Marisol. She could feel her world shifting under her feet, the comfortable certainties of her life suddenly unbalanced. From the sympathetic expressions on both of their faces, she thought they understood. Marisol spoke then, her voice low and gentle. "'May I offer you some advice, Lady Honor?' Mutely, Honor nodded. "'Do not hate your father for this,' she said, gesturing at the chest of unopened letters. "'Even if it was his doing. "'He is a good man,' Sylvia tells me. "'But good people can do bad things when they are in pain.' Sylvia nodded emphatically at this, but said nothing. "'I came here to give you back, a parent, not to take one away,' Marisol said. "'Life is short, and time is precious. Let both your parents love you while they still can.' Slowly, Honor nodded. She was not sure if she could forgive her mother completely, at least not yet. A mother's absence for fifteen years was a lot to forgive, and while the letters showed that she had tried to maintain a relationship between them, she had still left. There was a part of honor that was still angry and hurting that Sylvia had chosen her own happiness over her daughter's. But she could understand her. If she had been in the same position, she was not sure she would have chosen any differently. And she realized, she owed it to Sylvia that she wasn't in the same position. Her mother's gift had allowed her to see and embrace the truth about herself sooner, before she became trapped in a life that would not fulfill her. It was the lessons Lord Bellevue had learned from his failed marriage that had led him to take on Natasha as Honor's companion. Could he have accepted the truth about who Honor was, about what she needed in a partner, if Sylvia had hidden the truth about herself? She doubted it. This was the true meaning of progress, Honor realized, each generation learning from the mistakes and sacrifices of the past so that the next generation would not have to repeat them. So she smiled at Sylvia as warmly as she could. Thank you for the letters, she said. I look forward to reading them. The relief was obvious on Sylvia's face. I am glad you will finally have the chance, she said. One thing I still don't quite understand... "'Honor said. "'How did you come to be involved in my rescue? "'I can't imagine you have much to do with capital politics anymore.' "'Sylvia looked over at Marisol, who smiled. "'For that, you must thank young Alex,' the captain said. "'When Natasha told them what was happening, they told Yasmin. "'She knows the frequency that we use for wireless communications.' And with the tallest building in the valley, she was able to reach us with a transmission. She shrugged. We were in El Caron making a delivery at the time. It was no trouble to make a small detour. Marie is being modest, Sylvia said in a confidential tone. When we heard you were in danger, she took off immediately and pushed the engines to the red line. We made it here in under two hours. It was no trouble. Marisol said again, emphasizing the words. She looked straight at Honor, her dark eyes serious. You are family. It does not matter that we had not met before. If you need us, we will be there for you. This I promise. Tears welled up in Honor's eyes then, which took her by surprise. I... thank you. She dabbed at her face with her napkin, then cleared her throat. I suppose you will not be staying long. Not this time, Sylvia said, her tone regretful. We have cargo to deliver, and we are already behind schedule, but we will be back this way in August. She showed honor another hopeful smile. There's a little cabin on the coast where we like to get away from time to time. Maybe... Perhaps you two could join us. Honor could hear the hesitant note in her voice, the vulnerability required to make such an offer. The part of her that was still angry wanted to throw it back in her face. Where was this invitation for the last fifteen years? But her eyes fell on the chest again, and that angry voice fell silent. She could imagine Sylvia's pain when those letters had been returned unopened. Could she really blame her for not showing up to be rejected in person? She glanced aside at Natasha, who nodded. I'd like that, Honor said. Marisol and Sylvia got to their feet, and Honor and Natasha followed suit. Honor tried to curtsy to the captain, but Marisol surprised her by catching her in a tight hug. These tornured displays of affection still took Honor off guard, but she found herself coming to like them. She hugged Marisol back. She might still have conflicted feelings about her mother, but she found it hard to blame the captain for Sylvia's choices. Besides, the woman had just saved her life, or at least her sanity. Be well, Mia," the captain said. Honor smiled. "Etu, tú, madrastra, she said. Marisol drew back and gaped at her, surprised and delighted. Tu hablas toniol? Honor laughed. No mucho, she admitted, but I am learning, for Yasmin, and now for you. Marisol grinned. We are going to get on very well, I think. She went over to embrace Natasha then, who accepted the hug a little awkwardly. Sylvia stepped into the space the captain had vacated, looking on her up and down. She seemed much more relaxed now, and Honor could see a bit of the spark in her eyes that had been captured in her portrait all those years ago. She put her hands on Honor's shoulders, and Honor let her. That looks good on you, she said, nodding in the direction of the amulet. Thank you, Honor said. She smiled. And thank you. For the gift, I mean. I didn't know how much I needed it. Neither did I when Yasmin gave it to me, Sylvia said, with dry amusement. But it seems to have a way of finding people who need it. She reached down and held the butterfly in her hand, rubbing her thumb thoughtfully over the cabochon stone. They say a caterpillar dies when it enters the cocoon. The seed of the butterfly was there inside it all along, waiting to be born. But for that life to begin... The old life has to end. Honor blinked back tears, sniffed a little. I know. A Natural History of Moths and Butterflies by Randolph Menger. It's still in our library back home. I must have read it a hundred times. That brought tears to Sylvia's eyes as well. I gave your father that book for our first yule together, she said softly. I'm glad he kept it. She fell silent for a while, her eyes distant. Honor gave her the space to think, and eventually she seemed to gather herself, focusing back on Honor again. Anyway, day you will find someone who needs that amulet. Some sad little caterpillar who needs to know there's a butterfly inside them. She leaned in a little closer, fixing Honor with those brilliant blue eyes. When that time comes... Promise me you will pass it on to them. We aren't meant to keep it to ourselves. Honor reached up and covered her mother's hand with her own, closing her own small fingers around Sylvia's calloused ones. I promise, she said.
0: And that's the end of Chapter 17. Come back next time when Honor has some important questions for her father. Chapters of The House of Bellevue will be released at a rate of one chapter per week for 51 weeks. If you'd like to listen to it faster, all three books are available now on Amazon and Audible. To learn more about these characters and their world, please visit www.authorlcwilliams.com. Isaac Babel said, No iron can stab the heart with such force as a period put just at the right place. So, sharpen your punctuation, because it's time for the Weekly Writing Report. This update covers the week of January 14th through January 20th. I wrote 7,705 words this week, over the course of nine hours, for an average writing speed of 856 words per hour. I wrote on 6 out of 7 days this week, and as of Friday night, I have gone 31 days without breaking my chain. This week I worked a little bit more on All the World of Fire, which is still in Chapter 17, and about 45,600 words. I also started work on a new project. If you're a fan of tabletop role-playing games like Dungeons & Dragons, you probably heard about the kerfuffle that happened this week around the Open Gaming License, or OGL. With Wizards of the Coast now trying to clamp down on their competitors who make use of this 22-year-old license, RPG fans like myself are taking a fresh look at other gaming alternatives. This week I dusted off my copy of the Cypher System rulebook from Monty Cook Games, and I decided to take a stab at writing a Metamore City conversion for the Cypher System. This is a very rough-and-ready playtesting document, not something ready for public viewing, but it's a necessary first step if I ever want to make a Metamore City adaptation available in the future. Once I've got the basics fleshed out, I'll share it with a few close friends who are avid gamers and have expressed an interest in playing in this world. Then we'll run some adventures and see how it goes. This is far from being my top priority, writing-wise, but it's a fun experiment. If anything comes of it, I'll let you know. If you'd like to share your thoughts about the show, send your feedback in text or audio to metamorecityfeedback at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, dial area code 641-715-3900, then enter extension 255-082, followed by the pound sign. My Facebook is Facebook.com slash Author Chris Lester. The fan group is Fans of Metamore City on Facebook. And our Discord server is Metamore City. I'm there pretty often, so come say hi. If you like this show, please consider leaving a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser.com. It really helps people find the show. That's all for this week. I'll be back next time with more fresh new fiction. Until then, keep it on the bright side, This is Chris Lester, signing out. The contents of this podcast are copyright 2022 by Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. The show is released under a Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. So don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. For more information about this license, Please visit creativecommons.org.